Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I am Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this episode, we will recap the NFL draft, discussing the eight Wolverines selected and others who later signed with teams, plus what Jim Harbaugh had to say in a wide-ranging recent interview. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. guys well let's let's pick up where we left off from last week's episode which is the nfl draft i said an over and under seven and a half wolverines being drafted you both kind of hemmed and hawed and leaned towards taking that over when all was said and done thinking that there would be eight and there were exactly eight the final wolverine cameron cheeseman the long snapper taken in the sixth round with the 225th pick very fitting considering I had written a uh, extensive profile on the long snapper two seasons ago. And uh, he, he ends up being the last one taken. So we've got Quiddy Pay in the first round, Jalen Mayfield, Nico Collins, Ambry Thomas in the third, Cameron McGrone in the fifth, and Ben Mason as well. Uh, and then Chris Evans and Cameron Cheeseman in the sixth. So that did leave a couple of players that we had mentioned uh, who didn't get drafted, Nick Eubanks and Carlo Kemp. I can't remember if there were others that we mentioned that didn't get, I guess, Quinn Nordine you had mentioned as a possibility. Cameron Cheeseman, I think we mentioned, but we didn't think he'd actually get drafted just being a specialist. Yeah, all different all different teams, uh, if I'm counting correctly. I don't know. Let's just start with initial thoughts because there were some some undrafted guys that then then did sign, just like any surprises as far as where guys went or just yeah, kind of big picture from from both of you to start things off here. A couple, I guess a couple surprises for me. I thought Jalen Mayfield would go a little bit earlier than he did. I was I was thinking late second or you know, mid mid late second. So he went he slid a little bit. Other than that, I was a little surprised Cam Cheeseman was the eighth guy picked. But at at the end of the day, I, I figured if one of the specialists was taken, it would have been him, just because, you know, if, if a team needed someone. Cheeseman's the guy. I mean, he's one of the highest ranked long snappers in, in the class. So you'd obviously take one take him. So not a ton surprised me. Quiddy, we expected to go in the first round. Cam McGrone was kind of that middle that middle spot, and he ended up going in the fifth round. One of the least surprising things, other than Quiddy Pay going in the first round, to me, was Ben Mason getting drafted, and not only getting drafted, but getting drafted by Jim Harbaugh's brother in Baltimore. Uh, so, I mean, by and large, it was pretty much a by-the-book draft, at least to me, for, for Michigan. I, I thought Ambry Thomas went a little bit earlier than expected. I mean, I saw a lot of maybe fourth, fifth, sixth round grades on him and, and for him to get scooped up in, in the 49ers by the 49ers in the third round was a, a little bit surprising. But again, they, they talked about his, his, his talent level of speed and his coverage ability. So, I mean, he did opt out. So we'll see if that, that layoff affects him at all, but there was, it's crazy watching all three days of the draft, how many players had opted out. Um, and, and still got drafted. So it's going to yeah. be an interesting year for for all those players because it seemed like every other player, so they were ru- running down the highlight tape with him. It's like, oh, yeah, highlights of 2019 because he opted out last year. So in that regard, it's definitely an, an unprecedented draft. But uh, other than that, um, I, I did think maybe Ben Mason went. I thought he was going to get drafted, but fifth round seemed a little bit high for such a, a for a player that is kind of like a, a specialist. But the Ravens do seem like a really good fit for him. I thought Chris Evans going to the Bengals uh, was a good fit. Um, I mean, just based off of of what Gio Bernard did for them in a backup role behind Joe Mixon. Bernard's no longer there, so I think maybe Evans to kind of fill that role a little bit is a is a pass catching threat out of the backfield. 
And yeah, Cameron Cheeseman, man, how about that to go hit the over? I mean, <laughs> second long snapper in, in three picks in the sixth round there. It was like, all right, we're going to have more runs on long snappers here. But I think those two might have been the only two to go. But yeah, overall, another successful draft for Michigan to have eight guys go. Not too shabby. couple notes on that, too. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens pick of Ben Mason was their final pick of the draft. It was late fifth round. So yeah, I guess it doesn't surprise me that John Harbaugh pulled the trigger on Ben Mason. I'm sure he's heard a lot of, about him from his brother. Uh, and then Chris, you mentioned Chris Evans and, and Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. And, and after Evans got drafted in his media teleconference with the Cincinnati local media, he told them that that they actually watched a lot of tape at Michigan of Joe Mixon. And there's a play named after him. So it doesn't surprise me at all that that you know, those those connections are there. Ryan mentioned something that that I think is is worth diving in a little deeper on, which is the fact that you know some of these guys opted out last season or were hurt. Because I just you look at the, you look at a, a program that sent eight guys to the NFL, including you know four in the top three rounds, and you're like, why why were they so bad last year? <laughs> you know they they were two and four, but you know if you just go down the line with these guys, Quiddy Pay was hurt. He he missed I think two games. Jalen Mayfield, did he did he miss any games? Yeah, he only played in two. He only yeah. played in two. Yeah. Nico Collins opted out. Ambry Thomas opted out. Cameron Grone missed at least one game. Ben Mason, I don't remember him being hurt. But he played all six. Played all six. Chris Evans played all six. And even Cameron Cheeseman, the long snapper, opted out. So it's, you know, more than half the guys uh, didn't play or played, you know, in limited action. So that's why uh, that kind of explains, yeah, they had talent, but it wasn't really on the field. Now you can go back to 2019 because, you know, they had you know, a lot of draft picks, you know, the year before too, 10. So if you kind of combine those two draft classes, it doesn't exactly make sense why they were, you know, not very good two years ago either. So I'm not, this isn't an, an excuse for Jim Harbaugh and, and the coaching staff, but you know, I think it's worth, it's worth pointing out. Um, it's also but, worth uh, noting too, with with Jalen Mayfield drafted, that that entire off starting offensive line from the 2019 team, the team that went nine and four, and we thought had the opportunity or potential to being, you know, a Big Ten compete for a Big Ten championship, they all ended up drafted, you know, and in and many of them in, in the first three rounds. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you know you can take that one of two ways, but I, I do think that the talent, obviously, that the, the talent was there up front that they they had. Yeah, and doing well. I think Ryan mentioned on when you one of the top rated rookies uh, last season. Caesar Reese, first round pick, starting. Uh, I see John Runyon out there. Uh, you know, Anderson played a bunch on Sundays. There you go. So, yeah, there it is. It is interesting. So Nick Eubanks gets signed after the draft, and anyone else? Carlo Kemp? Did he find a home? Yep, Carlo Kemp. Both of them did. Okay. Uh, Eubanks in Dallas, Kemp in Green Bay. Uh, so Green, uh, Kemp gets to join. Uh, Sean Gary and Eubanks will join another uh, former Michigan tight end who was signed as a free agent last year after going undrafted, Sean McCune. Uh, McCune ended up, for, for those unfamiliar, McCune ended up making the team last year and he played quite a bit. So the, the road may not be over yet for, for Eubanks. How about Rashawn Gary at, at the draft going up there and having to announce uh, the Packers pick and when they when they picked an Ohio State player? <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's a nice little wrinkle to the to the draft. And yeah, the the, uh, the go blue at the end too. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'd say that that puts a bow on Wolverine Confidential's 2021 NFL draft coverage. Unless there's something else you wanted to add, we can move on to Jim Harbaugh made some some comments. He appeared on a podcast, not his own. His own podcast has kind of uh, gone gone quiet in in recent months. Is that 
you know, dormant. Probably it's been over a year now. I don't okay. think they've recorded once. It's been probably close to eighteen months, actually. All right. Well, he he appeared on you know another University of Michigan uh, hosted podcast, John Jansen's, and yeah, he talked for quite a bit. I guess what are the what are the key takeaways, and we can we can get into some of his his comments a little further. He went for about thirty minutes, and I, I think I told you guys this before we started recording. But Jim's usually pretty good for for one really insightful interview per year, and I think this was it. He was pretty candid and honest with with several uh, starting positions. A couple of them I've already written about on we'll have, we'll have more stories coming here in the next week. But I'll probably start with a quarterback. Not a huge surprise here, but he did confirm that that you know, Kay McNamara uh, is a starter at this point. Uh, he was number one, you know, quarterback on the depth chart. It's not a surprise since we we learned at the the spring game that we weren't admitted to, but. Um, Kate started for one team. JJ Mac or JJ McCarthy started for the other. Um, I thought, and I thought more interestingly, he confirmed that JJ McCarthy is number two in the depth chart. Again, not a huge surprise. We figured, you know, he was a five-star recruit coming in. Uh, he was a guy that we figured would would at least have an opportunity to compete for a starting job. Um, has kind of you know surpassed Dan Bellari on the depth chart. However, you know Jim did mention Dan Bellari. He likes uh, what he kind of brings to the table. It sounds like they're using him more in wildcat packages, kind of like what we've seen with Dylan McCaffrey the last couple of years. And he thinks there's a role moving forward for Dan Bellari in this team. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how often he's utilized. It's weird too because I, I obviously wasn't at the spring game, but I had a couple of people I spoke to who were who were there. And they said that used, they used Valari quite a bit. They liked what they saw. He, he looked impressive. Um, so I, I think there's more confidence in Valari at this point in his legs, more so than his arm. So um, that's how the, the the quarterback depth chart stands at this point. Not a huge shock, like I said. The one variable here, and we'll get into this more as the summer goes on into the fall camp, is the looming graduate transfer, Alan Bowman from Texas Tech, where he fits in and, and whether he's the one, the two, or, or where, where, where things shake out there. Let's be real. J.J. McCarthy surpassed Valari on the depth chart as soon as he walked into the the U of M football building for the first time. I mean, that's uh, the least surprising thing I've heard in quite some time. But yeah, we'll we'll see with this next Valari experiment how that goes. So again, yeah, he was a very lowly rated recruit in that 2019 class uh, outside of the top 1000. So again, it, it was their kind of a bo- long shots and we'll see if he can adjust to this new, new role. It'll be interesting to see if, if uh, they can utilize him in a different capacity because yeah, with Bowman coming in, there's, I mean, it's tough to climb the depth chart when you have those three guys in front of you. More interestingly, I, I thought Jim was pretty candid with the running back position too. Uh, last year, as we all know, and we've talked about a lot, they they had a more by committee type type role where they were giving several guys carries for five different running backs. Saw saw snaps last year. It doesn't sound like it's going to be that way this year. Now there's fewer running backs to begin with, but Jim Harbaugh did say that Hassan Haskins and and Blake Corum are going to basically get a bulk of the carries this year. Uh, which is, I think, is notable because I think some folks thought maybe Don Miller would just come in right away and, and maybe perhaps jump one of them on the depth chart, get you know, get some more carries. It sounds like Michigan, as of right now, and again, we've got a long off season to go in fall camp. They're going to ride those two to the moon this fall, which I, I think is. We can get into this here. We can get into discussion about this, but I, I think it's the right move. I, I think. Hassan has shown himself. He's rushed for over 600 yards the last two years. He's shown that he can be that that bell cow guy. And then Blake Corum, I thought, impressed last year's true freshman. He's still got some work to go, but the, Michigan clearly liked what they saw out of him, both not only running the ball, but out of the backfield too with, with, with pass catching. All right. Well, again, I mean, it's it's helpful given that, you know, just 
what the spring was, which was kind of a media blackout, a public blackout too. I mean, it's just, it, it kept, they kept kind of everything uh, in house. You know, so there will be a lot of mystery when they, when they finally do take the field in September. Okay. Was there, was there anything else he said that uh, you want to get into a little bit here? One more thing the we'll keep on the offensive side of the ball because he was very complimented by the defense, but you know, as we've seen the last couple months, they're saying a ton, they're revealing a bunch. But the offensive line, Jim did say there's there's three starters locked in. He mentioned Ryan Hayes, he mentioned Zach Sinter, he mentioned Andrew Stuber, but he wasn't clear on where they're gonna play. Mm-hmm. Hayes, he 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 kind of dialed in as a true tackle. So I think it's safe to say he's gonna start probably at the left side. But Jim's very open to moving Zinter and Stuber around. He said Stuber, you know, as we've seen, can play guard and tackle. And Zinter they've they have been working with at guard and center. So it sounds like it's open to those two. And then you've got six, Jim and Jim specified there are six other guys in the running for the two remaining starting spots. He mentioned that the offensive line is going to go with the, the five best alignment available, which kind of harkens back to Jim's early days at Michigan, 20, you know, 16, 17, 18, where they were very much a by committee offensive line. They, they were destined to find the five best guys and they're going to kind of plug and play them as, as they saw fit. That changed when Ed Warner came in as the offensive line and run game coordinator. He was very much big into slotting guys in certain positions and then filling behind them. So this is a, it's a different pathway, I think. You got a new offensive line coach, Sean Moore, perhaps that's playing into this. But, you know, he mentioned six guys, Carson Barnhart, Trevor Keegan, Chuck Filiaga, all three of which have, have started games and or played a ton. Andrew Vistardis, Nolan Rumlin, or Trent A. Jones. So it's going to be interesting, I think, interesting to see where these guys kind of slide in, where they play, because Stuber, well, we spoke to him during fall camp, and he said he preferred playing tackle. He'd been playing a ton of tackle. Jim left open the idea of moving him to guard if one of the other tackles steps up, whether that's whether that's Keegan or maybe that's Trent A. Jones. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to watch how they kind of slot those guys in. And certainly it'll be one, I think, one of the more interesting storylines to follow heading in heading into fall camp. Yeah. All those guys have, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, some high, highly rated former prospects in that group. Some guys that have kind of got, dipped their toes in the, in the college game so far and played a little bit, but not a whole lot proven on the offensive line besides those three guys you mentioned. So, I mean, I agree that that should be a, an interesting position group to, to watch and, and how much movement they're hit there. If one or two guys has a bad game to start off, do they go with someone else or how long the leash is going to be with, with this offensive line this year under, under Sharon Moore and in this new scheme. The, the one surprise I, I thought when he was mentioning the names was Angel for starters. I thought for sure he'd be a lock for a starter, you know, especially at center. I mean, he's got experience. He's, he's ending, I think, his sixth year in the program. He's been around a while. doesn't sound like he's gotten a, the go-ahead starting role yet, which is intriguing to me because him and, and Reese Atterbury are really the two, and Greg Crippen, I guess, the two freshmen, are the, are the three definitive centers at the, at, you know on this team that s- signals to me perhaps maybe Michigan's looking at Zach Sinter to play center um you know and keep in mind Michigan is very reliant on their cent- the center position I mean it's it's a key it's a key role up front they kind of lead the, the offensive line they're, they're reading the defenses they got to have a smart IQ and I think when you've seen in the past and you've seen Michigan's offensive line play well and look, do the part, they have a strong center. Cesar Ruiz a couple of years ago, for instance. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with Zach Center, whether they move, put him at center, move him to guard. And I think that's going to depend on whether you see guys like Andrew Verstardis or Reese Atterbury, who 
I thought was on the way up last year. Ed Warner was talking him up quite a bit. But at this point, it sounds like he's kind of falling the depth chart. You know, Harbaugh had a lot of good things to say about Crippen. He had a lot of good things to say about Jeffrey Percy, true freshman Raheem Anderson. You know, I've said this before, but this offensive line could be very good here this this fall. There's a lot of depth there. I think a lot of that is, you know, to the credit of Ed Warner, his, his job developing these guys and bringing in needs. Now I think it's about Michigan finding the right guys and putting them in front of the quarterback who, you know, we can set, we can talk about Cade McNamara all day, but he hasn't played a ton. He started a couple of games, but he just hasn't played a ton at the college level. So you're going to see that inexperience still this fall. You're going to see some struggles. And whether Michigan's offense can take that leap, like, like I think they need, it's going to start up front with this offensive line. Reading between the lines of Harbaugh's comments, are you more or less optimistic you know, for Michigan's success on the field in 2021 than, than you were before hearing what he had to say? I, I don't think my opinion changed a ton. Uh, he was actually pretty candid about Cade's inexperience. Uh, he was pretty candid about J.J.'s struggles in the spring. I was a little caught off guard by his the decision here to go with the five best offensive linemen. I thought they had a good job of slotting guys and kind of, you know, developing guys coming into this year. But the fact that they're, you know, open and moving guys like Stuber around and Zach Zinter around, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make about make of it. You know, guys like Chuck Filiaga to me should be starting at this point. He started last year. This and he's a senior. He should be ready to go. Andrew Stardis should be, you know, should be considered for that center job. And, and he will. The fact that I think so much is up in the air at the offensive line to me is curious. But we'll see. I, I I don't I don't know. It sounds like things are a little bit more compartmentalized, I guess, especially with the running back position. It sounds like they made a decision. Offensive line, things are up in the air. Quarterback, I think they know what they have out of Cade McNamara. Uh, it's just about bringing, bringing him out of him. But like I said before, you got the new quarterback coming in. So it's just a lot of things in flux. I guess it's not a surprise. We've seen this before with this Michigan team. But I've said this in the past, and I'll say this again. And I'll continue to say it going in the fall. If this Michigan football team is successful this fall, it's going to be on the because of the offensive side of the ball. And they got to get their stuff together if if they're going to take that leap. We just talked about how interesting it is, though, that I mean, how many other college markets are having to write all their content off of like interviews on school sponsors podcasts instead of like actually talking to the media where we can ask questions? It's been I mean, how long since we that since Harbaugh has answered questions from us? We've gotten maybe one assistant coach since they've been hired after offseason overhaul. I mean, it's it is different getting getting uh, this content from other sources besides you know what we're able to do ourselves but yeah just an interesting little nugget there all right so we, we hit on the draft we hit on harbaugh's interview is there any other news to uh discuss here i will say that you know we are aware that uh Devontae jones coastal carolina transfer that we mentioned in the last podcast did choose michigan as his new school the, the men's basketball player uh, we will do another basketball specific podcast later in this week to touch on um, what that means. In the meantime, you can, you know, can read some, some stories about him on nlive.com, but football specific, what else do we have, Ryan, Aaron? One thing for me, and I, I, Ryan could probably touch on it more than I can, but the, I was surprised at the quick departure of Willie Allen, the offensive tackle from, from Louisiana tech. We wrote about him a little bit last fall. He committed, came into the program early enrolled in January, which expected to fill some type of role at the offensive line. You know, I think I mentioned it in a previous podcast where he kind of would fit in because we were, we were wondering about it. He's not going to be here. Uh, he, at least that's the plan. He plans to transfer and uh, he's in the portal. 
he hasn't, I don't think he's officially announced anything on social media, but his name is in the portal, I've been told. And I guess it's not a surprise. I mean, it is a surprise, but it's not a surprise because we just didn't hear his name a ton in, in spring interviews. His name would come up, but we would kind of have to ask about him. So that signaled to me that, you know, maybe he wasn't fitting in or wasn't trying to, wasn't able to find a role. So quick departure for him. I think it's going to be the norm going forward, not the norm, but we're going to see more instances of these with what the one-time transfer legislation passed and the portal becoming a bigger thing now where guys are going to have a cup of coffee at a school and move on when they don't get a starting job. Yeah. I mean, coming, coming from Louisiana, Louisiana tech, I mean, he's six foot six, 343 pounds. So you're one of your bigger offensive linemen, uh, maybe against guys in the big 10 facing edge rushers that are maybe a little bit more quicker. Who knows? Maybe he might've struggled a little bit in, in practice. And, but yeah, I mean, with, with, with all the names, Aaron just ran, ran down in the, and vying for a starting job on the offensive line. doesn't sound like Allen was able to, uh, push his name ahead of some of those guys and he's trying to find another new program here in the last couple of years. But yeah, I mean, him having to sit out a a year last year too, probably didn't help. And yeah, we'll see where he ends up next. If he does land somewhere else, it'll be his fifth school. in I think five or six years, he was recruited at LSU, spent a year there, went transferred to community college after that, went to Louisiana tech after that, Michigan after that. A lot of different stops worth noting. All right. You got anything else? No, that's it. Uh, interesting summer ahead. Uh, we probably won't get much because they're not going to technically practice. They'll work out with one another, but coaches can't really deal with them a ton. So it'll be a summer of uh, growing, I guess, for the players. And then we'll come back here in uh, late July, early August, and uh, hopefully with the season going. Yeah, we'll start to look at opponents and things like that. And it's four straight home games to open the season. I know that it's always a. Uh... And, and, root, and that, recruiting never stops either. So. Recruiting <laughs> never stops. Put it on a t-shirt. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Mm-hmm.